I'm Don Fox, Fox Farms in Angleton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're back to getting those weekly crop progress and condition reports for our Texas crops. And of course, the only crop to rate is wheat. When you look at those Texas crop wheat ratings, they do not look good. This crop is really struggling. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The cost of production remains high for farmers all across the country. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear a Texas High Plains farmer's thoughts on limiting the impact of input cost inflation. Looking at multi-year data when choosing crops for the upcoming growing season. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Chicken wings are expected to score big during Super Bowl weekend. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA has started cranking out the weekly crop progress and condition reports once again, and this week's report shows a Texas wheat crop that is still trying to recover from a very slow start. Here's how the wheat ratings break down this week. 13% of the crop rated good, 36% rated fair, and 51% of the Texas wheat crop, just over half, rated poor to very poor. We got into conditions with very dry conditions. We had late emergence of wheat and or we ended up getting wet and we planted late. Consequently, some of that crop went in late and and it didn't get a lot of growth on it uh, in the fall, which means we didn't have a lot of tillers. And the most important component to yield is the number of heads per unit of area. So obviously we need tillers on that plant. That's John Fenderson, technical product manager for West Bread Wheat. He says doing a stem count can be very beneficial right now. If you want to raise 40 bushel wheat, 30 plants per square foot is enough. If you want 60 bushel wheat, you'll need 50 stems per square foot. If you're short of those, early application of nitrogen will help drive that. 
If you're in the Blacklands of Texas, probably not a big concern. Most of that nitrogen is down. But if you're in the Rolling Plains, West Texas, parts of Oklahoma that have got some small wheat, I would really encourage guys to get out and get that nitrogen on that crop to help drive that tilling so we make sure that we have a sufficient number of stems out there to make a good viable crop. Fenderson recommends a minimum of 40 units of nitrogen, but it depends on how much residual nitrogen you currently have in your soil. Texas has thawed out from last week's ice storm, but in the coldest part of the state, where most of the feedlots are located, it has been a mild winter so far. That's according to Ben Weinheimer with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Overall, you know, a mild winter for the cattle feeding region in Texas, Oklahoma, and and New Mexico. Two weeks ago, we had anywhere from two inches to six inches of a nice wet snow, very little wind. So that moisture was appreciated and helpful. This storm this week, mostly just the nuisance of some ice and dusting of snow, not the kind of moisture that we would hope to see in our region. But hopefully that's a sign of what we heard about some here at this meeting, too, in terms terms of a break in La Nina coming and a shift to El Nino get us closer and closer to a day when we see some more normal precipitation patterns return in the middle and in second half of this year. Ben Weinheimer with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. We caught up with him at last week's cattle industry convention in New Orleans. The cost of production remains high for farmers all across Texas. James Hunt takes a look at some ways to limit the impact of input inflation. Here in 2023, we find ourselves heading toward another growing season where farmers face a major challenge with high input costs. Some innovation might help producers, such as this example of what Texas Panhandle farmer Jesse Wieners has been doing to reduce fertilizer expenses. We've converted some of our equipment, our strip-till equipment, to put out dry fertilizer. We found that banding dry fertilizer has kind of helped our input cost by applying the nutrients in a concentrated zone. So instead of broadcasting it, we're able to concentrate that fertilizer and better utilize our fertilizer. And by doing that, by banding it or concentrating it more in one spot, we're actually able to use less fertilizer. So we're cutting some expenses that way. And as for controlling costs for chemicals, Wieners says... We got several dealers that we work with. If they come across a bulk load of something and they're wanting to offload that and we're able to purchase that for a cheaper price, we'll try to go ahead and buy that, lock that price in. On the revenue side of the equation, Jesse Wieners says he makes use of option strategies to get the most for his crops. With planting time about two or three months away, Wieners hopes we'll get a lot more moisture between now and then, but he's prepared to move forward either way. If for some reason we don't get the rain, we've had to do it before. and We just have to dust that seed in and hope that it rains after we planted it enough to get it to sprout and come up. And sometimes that's all you can do, especially on dry land. On those real dry years, you just got to dust that seed in and pray that it rains and, and hopefully you get a crop out of it. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 2022 crop season was one that most Texas farmers want to forget. But Tom Nicoletti tells us there is some optimism heading into this growing season. The expansive drought resulted in a tough growing year for Texas farmers in 2022. 
But as planters begin rolling soon in Texas fields, producers remain optimistic. Chris Young is an agronomist with AgriLiant Genetics. Every year is different. Typically when you look at history, coming off a really tough, hot, dry year, usually the next year will rebound. It may not be a great year, but it's better. But always tell growers, be careful about judging that one year and making your decisions off that. You know, look at the multi-year data. It's so important. If you choose something in 2022 and base it off that year, you may be completely wrong in 2023. It's just a good idea. When I run data, I look at multi-year data and how that product's responded over different environments. You know, when you're choosing that crop for next year, just, just think about being diverse in what you do. Our limiting factor is usually moisture, right? Making sure you're planting some of those defensive crops or hybrids or varieties out there just to spread your risk. I think that's just very very important. If you go back to using multiple genetics, I think that's important. But you know, in the West, if we stay limited on water through the winter, I mean, a lot of those decisions aren't going to be made until spring. And that's okay. You can make some decisions now and make some adjustments later, but I think growers are going to have to be open-minded. It's very tough going into a growing season with a very dry profile. I have growers that will want to make decisions off past year, and that's just very common because we think of last year as what's most fresh in our mind. But also have growers that, you know, they have big equipment. They want to dump one hybrid in and go and be done and not take time to change hybrids. But, you know, there can be a payoff there by changing hybrids and using some multiple genetics because not every piece of ground is equal. Even multiple planting dates can be a payoff. That is Chris Young with Ag Reliant Genetics. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chicken wings are expected to score big this weekend. Gary Joyner has more. Scouting reports are in and game plans are installed. The Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs are ready for Super Bowl 57. Also prepared are a record number of chicken wings for Super Bowl weekend. The National Chicken Council projects Americans will eat 1.45 billion chicken wings during the weekend. The figure represents an increase of 2% from last year's report the equivalent of 84 million more wings. Favorable prices and a return to normal Super Bowl gatherings are credited for the uptick. Both wholesale and retail wing prices are down double digits from a year ago, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Super Bowl trivia is always a fan favorite. Chicken wing trivia is not far behind. 1.45 billion wings are enough to give four wings to each to every man, woman, and child in the United States. Phoenix's State Farm Stadium, the home of Super Bowl 57, can hold 73,000 people. If 1.45 billion chicken wings were distributed to the full stadium, each fan could enjoy 19,863 wings. So make your top pick in this year's chicken wing draft. Choose a flavor that's sure to be a winner Super Bowl weekend. That's chief among all of the game strategies. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. A new piece of legislation would add additional funding for feral hog control efforts. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And tendon injuries are fairly common in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Tendon injuries are fairly common in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says there are some initial treatments to use when you have that type of injury. Tendons attach muscle to bone and are prone to injury. Dr. Sherry Johnson indicates in the horse publication that injury to the superficial digital flexor tendon is the primary reason for retirement of thoroughbred racehorses. The initial injury is bad enough, but re-injury rates of this tendon are as high as 82%, and this is the tendon on the back of the horse's leg, starting at the near hock and extending down to the pasture. So it is important to treat these possible tendon injuries correctly when they first occur, and the first signs of injury are heat, swelling, and pain. Of course, there are other diseases that can lead to these symptoms, so your veterinarian should be contacted immediately. However, there are some areas that you cannot see the swelling, such as a deep digital flexor tendon injury inside the hoof capsule. If you suspect a tendon injury or you see any of the signs I mentioned, get off your horse and walk the horse to a stall and call your veterinarian. The first treatment is to ice the leg for 48 hours, and this will reduce inflammation and pain regardless of the diagnosis. Anti-inflammatories are indicated, but it is best to wait until your vet examines the horse to start these medications. It is okay to apply a wrap if the lower leg is involved, but you must use full thickness cotton under the wrap to avoid too much pressure. Tissue repair, remodeling, and scar tissue formation will occur over the next 60 days, and it is imperative that your vet does an initial ultrasound exam to determine the treatment plan and then monitor healing with ultrasound. There are multiple treatments and rehab options for tendon injuries, depending on the location and degree of injury. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new piece of legislation would add funding for feral hog control efforts. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. A group of Texas lawmakers in Washington, D.C. is working to extend the federal feral swine eradication program for another five years. Earlier this month, Congresswoman Monica De La Cruz of Texas introduced the Feral Swine Act, or H.R. 714. De La Cruz said she introduced the bill because Texas is flooded with feral swine who have no natural predator besides humans. She said they damage crops and property, pollute the water, and pose a risk to people and pets. The Feral Swine Eradication and Control Pilot Program, which would be extended for another five years if this legislation is passed, was created under the 2018 Farm Bill. It is implemented jointly by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service and the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. The program consists of three components that are integrated. They are feral swine removal, habitat restoration efforts, and a 
aid to producers for feral swine control efforts. The program's first round of funding was used for 20 pilot projects in 10 states, including Texas. A second round of projects has also been selected. In Texas, the funding will be used for projects in Dallum, Noasis, San Patricio, B. Williamson, and Milam counties. There are currently no other funding opportunities planned until the program is continued. The Feral Swine Act is co-sponsored by the following representatives, Tony Gonzalez, Pat Fallon, August Fluger, Jasmine Crockett, Michael McCall, Ronnie Jackson, Pete Sessions, Henry Cuellar, Lance Gooden, and Jack Elsey all represent Texas in the U.S. House. Maria Elvira Salazar of Florida and Barry Moore of Alabama also support the legislation. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle closed mixed on Wednesday, while feeder cattle and cotton closed lower. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Wednesday. That's how we wrapped it up. The nearby contracts higher with February live cattle up 22 cents, 160.80. The April up 10 at 163.70, while June live cattle were down 2 cents, 159.77. Feeder cattle market lower. March feeders dropped 75 cents, 186.45. April down 62 at 190.72. May feeder cattle down 37 at 194.42. Cash fed cattle market seeing a few sales this week. We have reports of a few cattle in Kansas selling at 159. We also had the online fed cattle exchange. They sold one lot of Texas cattle at 159. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday choice up 7 cents 266.79. Select down 338 at 253.95. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Texas neighbor, welcome back to Granny Marble's Kitchen Table. I'm her grandson, Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Seth Crane and his dad, Butter, own and operate Union Commission Hondo Livestock. Seth, how was a Monday sale? I ended up with a pretty light run, 255 head, Larry. Uh, uh, still pretty wet around the spots uh, as far as the cow run, but I ended up with 60 cows. Added more money to these cows this week, uh, 51 up to a dollar one. Lots of these big cows bringing in the 90s and had three or four cows bring up over a dollar today. Bulls, the same deal, 60 cents to a dollar 21 on a really good packer bull. No pairs and on a few bread cows from 700 up to $1,100. Camp and yearling market still 
really good. The uh, calves just continue to dollar out well. Your two to four weight steers, dollar sixty-two, up to two twenty-three. Uh, two to four weight heifers, anywhere from a dollar fifty-two to one eighty-eight. Five to six weight steers, dollar sixty-two to two twenty-five. Five to six weight heifer, anywhere from one fifty-two to one seventy. Six to seven weight steers, dollar forty-five to one sixty-eight. Six to seven weight heifer, dollar thirty-two to one sixty-seven. Seven to eight weight steer, dollar twenty-five to one fifty-four. And a seven to eight weight heifer today, one twenty-five to one forty-seven. Did have some heifers weighing right on eight hundred pounds there today, bring up in the one forty. So really good sale. Looking forward to next week. Have that special stocker feeder sale. Got over six hundred head of wean cattle consigned for that sale. Ought to sure be a good market and a good time to sell one. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach us eight three zero seven four one eight zero six one. Give me on my cell phone two one zero two eight eight thirty nine sixty. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or Hondo livestock.com we appreciate it thank you thanks neighbor that's our livestock auction market report for today we'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens i'm larry marble for texas ag today thank you larry back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs finished higher on wednesday february hogs up 55 cents 75.92 the april up 80 8407. Class 3 milk was higher. February milk up 10 cents, 1792 100 weight, while March milk was up 30, 1771 100. USDA released the February crop production and supply and demand report on Wednesday. The cotton market reacted negatively to the report. Now they did cut global cotton stocks by 850,000 bales. But there was some disappointment that they left the size of the U.S. crop unchanged. March cotton dropping 26 points, 85.37. The May down 38 at 86 cents even. New crop December cotton down 52 at 85.30 cents. The grain markets reacted favorably to the USDA report. Both corn and wheat finishing higher Wednesday. March corn up four and a half, six seventy-eight and a half. September corn up two and a quarter, six ten and a quarter. Wheat market seeing nice gains following Wednesday's report. March Kansas City wheat up ten and a quarter, eight ninety six a bushel. New crop July up six and three quarters at eight seventy. On the soft wheat market, March Chicago wheat was up fifteen cents, seven sixty four and three quarters. While new crop July was up twelve and three quarters. 779 and three quarters. In the energy markets Wednesday, natural gas was lower. March down 15 cents, 242. March West Texas crude up a dollar 39, 78.53 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 230 points at 33,925. The Nasdaq down 216, 11,897. The S&P down 49. 4,114. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.